over the river and through the woods to Dan's house we go. It's Thanksgiving Day and we're going to stay with the main host of the show. We're going to stay for a couple of days on a sofa we can crash. All the man who's driving the sleigh needs is Dan's address. Hey everyone, it's Dan. And I'm only kidding. I'm not giving you my address. I don't want you all to come over to my house on Thanksgiving and crash on the sofa. That's where I crash. Ain't got enough room for two of us to crash on that sofa, baby. This ain't Dave Matthews' band. We ain't gonna crash on there, all right? So go about your business. And again, I'm only kidding. I'll give you my address later in the show. How is everyone? Happy Thanksgiving. It's Dan. It's the Thanksgiving show. Well, actually, it's not. This show is coming out at Thanksgiving, and I'm wishing you a happy Thanksgiving, but I don't. There's nothing Thanksgiving related. Although over on my Rockin' All Week With You podcast, there will be a Thanksgiving uh, episode going up where we discuss the Thanksgiving episode of Happy Days at Thanksgiving. All good times, all the times. You know the blurb. I'm not going to go into it on this one. Eventually, Super Train, we are starting off with Tales of the Gold Monkey, episode 17, Fresno, episode 3, and then the Middleman, episode 11. And I'm going to play a little bit of Gold Monkey theme. And then we'll dive right in. See on the other side of the episode where I will give you my address. Scout's honor. Tales of the Gold Monkey, everyone, episode 17, Last Chance Louie. Uh, Directed by James Fargo, story by Bob Shane, teleplay by Tom Green and George Geiger, March 11th, 1983. And in this one, Louie basically encounters a guy who he was in the army with, who a deserter who he doesn't like, and who ends up later on being killed. And apparently it looks like Louie did it, and he's going to be guillotined. And Jake has to rush and discover uh, why Louis did what he did because he's got some sort of secret. I'll leave it at that. And for this episode, this episode only, well, maybe we'll do this at Christmas too. I made a couple little just, um, I don't know, I, I almost want to call them bumpers, but instead of the bam, bam, that takes us from one um, section to another from here to the chat, I thought I would just give you a little, uh, little, little well-wishing from me to you. Hey everybody, this is Dan, main host of Eventually Super Train. I just wanted to wish you and yours the bestest, the brightest, the warmest, the most welcoming, the most fantastic, the happiest Thanksgiving. Last Chance Louie, episode 17 of Tales of the Gold Monkey, and I am here with the great Kristen Hawes. How are you, Kristen? You know, I just saw this most interesting take on Alice in Wonderland. Have you seen it, Dan? Hmm. Maybe I have. Maybe tell me. Hmm. Tell me more. <laughs> well, I, specifically, I'm thinking of the part with the the Tweedles, the Tweedledum yes. and Tweedledees. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, and. Uh, <laughs> Now, now I want to just talk about that, but I should, uh, I should be, <laughs> I should be saying, okay, let, let me, I'll ask you, what did you think of the episode? What are you thinking about? 
Well, um, I quite like the episode. Mm. When I first watched this series, this is one of the episodes that really stuck out for mm. me. It's a bit of a, a change. It's not a big adventure episode. Definitely more emotional. And Louis gets to be the centerpiece. And in case you're not aware, Roddy McDowell is actually a really good actor. He sure is. And sure I is. think he does a fabulous, fabulous job in this episode. And so it's a little more emotional. And there is some humor in it, but not quite as much. And you have an interesting storyline and interesting backstory mm-hmm. with Louis, which I'm sure we will talk about. And he has interesting tastes in, in films. Yes. So we will definitely <laughs> talk about that. Yes. Um, yeah. What do you think of the episode? I really liked it, too, because, um, like you said, it is more of an emotional uh, episode. Um, and uh, the it, it's funny, in the, in the commentary, the, the writer says the original title was Hidden Tears. And he immediately said, which is a terrible title, which is too way too sentimental. But he said there are moments in here, like the moment when they're taking Louis away to the guillotine, where everyone is kind of trying to hold back the tears. And then as he's leaving, you can see everyone, like, crying and it's it's really emotional and it's really um it's really nicely done it's actually um i think i think the story is told well too or good the story's told good the story is nice <laughs> the story's sweet i i think i think it is because um e- even as you're sort of approaching the ending i was still unsure about okay what exactly is happening and, and they keep you they keep you on a limb quite some some distance into the episode which i really like because i mean louis is louis is is gonna go down headless if he has to in this and it's just it's so maddening for everybody um but louis is like you said he's such a good actor and i mentioned this to you right before we started recording i kept calling this episode whole lot of louis (laughs) which it ain't if he got his head cut off but a whole lot of less louis and um, but but I think I think it's I think it's a fine episode. And the the great thing about it is with a show like this, and I know we only have four episodes left. Um, but with a show like this, you have to um, there has to be some um, you have to be able to tell different sorts of stories. You can't just tell the same kind of adventure, exciting kind of thing. You, you have to you have to vary it a bit, um, as you see in a show like say X Files. You know, if X-Files had done the same thing it did in season one for nine seasons, oh my God, we would have all been so bored by about halfway through it. But it's a variation that that, that, that makes it, um, that, that brings the thrill, that makes it exciting, and that makes us like the characters. That's the thing about this one, is it's very character-based, and it doesn't wander off. I mean, there are other characters it introduces us to, but they're all um, secondary to our characters, which I think is is lovely, and I um and I I in one respect I lo- I love that they did this because it makes the show richer, but in another respect I think oh did they know they were going to get canceled at this point oh no, Ugh. well uh, what what else what else do you have on this one what do you what do you what do you think of Jake Jacks what do you think of their their journey trying to trying to save Louie in this or, or or whatever you think, um. I thought that was interesting that, that um, Jake was saddled with this secret because yes. uh, Louis explains what his damage is, and that yeah, that's Louis, good. <laughs> that, yeah, that, and that Jake struggles with keeping that secret, mm-hmm. 
and then it ends up having to give it up, and it turns out it's not even the whole secret. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of like that, and he was he was not going to give up until like, well, heck no, even the blade was falling, and he still yes. wasn't giving up. That so, was, I mean, yeah, Louis, Louis, folks. I mean, he's a foot and a half away from at least having the blade touch his neck. I'm not going to say you lose your head at that point, but um, it's 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 nicely done. It's nicely done. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's just one another one of those episodes where it's like Jake showing his dedication to his friends and how far he would go yes. for them. Because what he had, he went all the way to Shanghai and got blown up. Oh for gosh. Louis. And that's he 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 goes to the worst street in the world to find out uh, to find out the information that he needs, and it's like it's one of those streets where it's like, um, uh, and, you know, it's 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 just like like literally they're walking down the street, and there's just like a guy in a bicycle throwing bombs in building. I have that, that in my notes as a drive-by bicycling. <laughs> you don't see that a lot. No, no, you don't. Yeah, it's um, and it, it it really it really does um. It's interesting because it's ultimately the fact that it is a drive-by bicycling makes it seem slightly absurd, but then that's probably kind of what was actually <laughs> happening, and so it makes it kind of. It's it's dark and weird, <laughs> and it's um, and and um, and just just the um oh jeez I'm 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 hopping all the way to the ending right here. Um, maybe we should hop back to the beginning more. We probably um, should, or else they want people won't understand the beginning. Yeah, that's, that's right. Sorry, sorry. I um, <laughs> so because <laughs> I think th- this is really one of those great episodes where it starts off with like a real mystery of what, 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 and then it just builds and builds, and then the ending kind of is works out is very satisfying emotionally and, and dramatically. And we see some great actors in it to show up. You know that guy. Oh, that guy. Oh, her. Okay, yeah. So what? Um. So I I I don't know when we start. I mean, like what when you see like Louis gets so immediately angry. Like mm-hmm. was it? It was it like uh, that was like a shock to me. I, I, that doesn't happen. Yeah, no, because he's always so very laid back and and everything's you know he's French. And he sees this guy and just, like, it's, like, he can't believe what he's seeing at first. And then he, he realizes that this is the truth. And he walks right over and shoots at him. Yes. And clips his ear. And you're like, what the hell? What did he do? Yeah. Because Louis doesn't act like that. Even even when that one lady had the microfilm or whatever in oh, that yes. one no. episode, he didn't even get that riled. No. No, but he, yeah, it's it's like it's a side of Louis that we didn't even know existed. Yes, and I'm glad he's a good shot because if he had like shot the guy in the head, then we would have had a different tur- turn of events. <laughs> but he, he grazes the ear, and it's just, when you see, it's like it's like in this in this world, the one person who never sweats, never let him see you sweat. That's Louis. But I, I don't I don't know if he actually sweats in this episode. But when you see that happen, you're like, okay. Wow, he 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 wasn't um. He's yeah, I, I'm not like saying he's like super cute, but he's almost like um, 
like if this were like a, a Buddhist kind of thing, he'd be the like the guru or someone like that who who sat there and you know was wise and was able to over, over look over, over overlook look over watch over everyone kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's the way Louis is, you know. And he runs the bar and he's the magistrate and he does all this stuff and and he he's he's always he's always right and he always knows what to do and he always seems to. Uh, like to be the jack of all trades kind of thing and master of some, which is great because mm-hmm. normally the jack of all trades is master of none. But he's, he, you know, he's 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 kind of can, can do a lot, and he also um, seems really good at a lot of it. But then the moment you see him with this man, it's um, it's it's um, hey, we all we all got the skeletons in our closet. And now I'm going to ask Kristen, tell me about the skeletons in your closet. I'm kidding. That's a, that's a joke. That's another podcast. Look for, look for that in 2023. Um, but, um, uh, uh, well, what else on this? I mean, um, can, can I, can I say one moment I did find strange and I, I didn't quite know. I, I didn't quite know what, whether it, it, it's not a big moment, but it's just the moment where, Louis goes into the back room with the pool table with the big snifter of brandy. And then the guy comes in with two snifters of brandy and offers him one. And he's got a big snifter of brandy. How much brandy does he think? Well, he probably, Louis probably drinks a lot, but, but, uh, not, not in a bad way, but, but it's, it's, it's kind of funny that like he, he saw Louis there with the snifter of brandy. Louis went into the back room to play pool and then he brings him another one and he's like, how, I, I, I don't I don't know what it means I don't know if it's it was a mistake if or if it was meant to say something but it was uh, the whole yeah, time there it's a very I, tense scene yeah, the whole time I, I kept thinking why all the brandy <laughs> I think what it was meant to be was um almost like a peace offering mm, mm-hmm. from him um you know here I come in peace have some alcohol I mean yeah. I can relate my family operates that way. <laughs> And I think that's what it was meant. It was meant to be kind of symbolic, not mm-hmm. that he wanted to get Louis drunk, but to say, here, you know, truce, I'm, you know, not upset that you shot my ear and then said that as the magistrate, yes. I declare this matter closed. I mean, like, we all wish we had that power. Yes. Uh, um, but yeah, it was a real, real tense scene. And, and um, it's, it's really, really well done, I yeah. think. Because it starts off like with a low key tension that just keeps building as more little bits of information is revealed. Because we find out that Monique, um, his wife, the guy's wife, Marcel's wife, is dead, mm-hmm. which really affects Louis and basically is what catapults him into being like, you know what? Let's duel. Yes. Let's, let's just take it outside and have at it. Get my and then he goes outside and he's like, "Gosh, you get my pistols." from it's, yes. behind the bar and it's like why do you have dueling pistols behind the bar I have <laughs> yeah. questions yeah. I think I, I, the interesting thing here is to think like if um if Jake Jack J, 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 I, I whenever I always you know when when the, the human when he um <laughs> I'm never gonna get it right it's it's Jake right yeah it's Jake <laughs> it's Jake okay um it, it's funny to think that like if Jake wasn't there one, he wouldn't have told the story to anyone. And two, he would have had the duel and they would have just gone through with it. So it's funny to see that, like, the element of having Jake in his life stops him, 
stops the duel and then stops him from getting his head cut off. Mm-hmm. And it's it's sort of almost like if you if you were to if they were to do like if like the last episode of this would have been like the last original episode of Dallas where it was like Jr. and um uh, Joel Gray and saying you were never born Jr. and you get to see what happens if Jr. had never been born like if they had done like um you know Jake you've never been born and you, you know he would have either shot this guy in the duel or had his head cut off. A little bit later, and it's 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 kind of interesting to see. Um, I think that's part of the fun of it. Is it like it's like you you know these characters love one another and care for one another, but this you see the real like you you see it really in there the friendship, the strong friendship, like the I I you know you've told me what the secret is, but like you said, it's an onion, and mm-hmm. we all, we're only on the outside of the onion, and nobody's crying yet. Those tears are still hidden. <laughs> We're gonna peel that away, and there's more there. But it, but it's like you know, it's um, it's it's good. To ha- it's good. To, you know, I don't I don't mean to sound as dumb as Hidden Tears, but it's good to have friends. It's good yeah. to have some people in your corner. You know, when you when you're going to do you're you're going to do the you think you're going to do the right thing. And I mean, I I was in a duel the other day, <laughs> and I had a guy I work with. Uh, Thomas came up to me and said, "Dan, you don't want to do that," and he gave me half a breakfast burrito. <laughs> That's life-saving. Like, and I was like, you know what? This is what I want, my friend. And I almost called him my dude. <laughs> but I've never done that before, and I felt I felt unworthy. But um, but that's that's part part of the joy of the episode is just this thing where um, uh, Louis is going down one path that he would have gone straight. I mean, he would have plummeted down if he hadn't had such a friend in 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 Jake, who is just there every step of the way, like constantly getting in the way of him getting in the way of every, you know, that, that, that sentence worked out wrong, but you know, you know what I mean? Jake getting in the way of, of Louis trying to do this thing that he wants to do. And, and Jake knows that there's another way, but it isn't until the end that he knows what that way is. And it's, um, and it's really, it's, it's for a, for a early eighties, adventure tv show it's it's quite like I, i've never seen magnum so i don't know if magnum was a show that like did this every other week or something you know i've never seen simon and simon but all the ones that i did see they like go to gyms or something and un- uncover <laughs> something at a gym so so i don't so i i think maybe that's as as as, as strong but um i i do i do like an episode like this because if the show had continued this is a beautiful foundation to because you got to and the show goes along at one level, then you gotta boost it to the next level, and then if you can, go to another level, and just keep building the show higher and higher. And this is probably as high as this show gets, but it's much higher than I thought it would be. I thought it was just going to be Lou. When I saw the title, I was like, okay, maybe he gets kidnapped, or maybe he—I don't know—he gets caught in quicksand, and they maybe he, you know, he's in a plane and he's floating at sea, and they have to rescue him, like in that one Magnum. What's the name of that one? Oh, oh, um, uh, shoot. Home I from the Sea. <laughs> I, I've seen that one. It's uh, it's one of my favorite episodes, probably my favorite episode of the series, and here I am blanking on it and oh, can't no. remember it. That's okay. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I think it's, I think it's a really good episode. So what else? Let, let me do that. Let me do the what else. What else did you like about the episode? Did, was there, was there stuff you didn't like? Was there something you saw where you were like, horse shit? <laughs> No, I found no horseshit in this episode. <laughs> I do want to point out um, 
can we talk a little bit about Gushy? Because oh, yeah. Gushy oh, yes. is Louis's right hand man at the bar, and when so he, when Louis was in trouble, Gushy was right there. He went with them to Tagataya to try to help straighten things out. He was going to bust him out of prison. Yes. With and so, here's the thing: if you don't watch the show, and I don't know why you're listening to us, if you don't watch the show, <laughs> um, Gushy is an amputee and he uses a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. I guess he. I'm guessing the implication is that he was injured in the war. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so he's he's that is not stopping him from trying to bust Louis out of his very swank hotel yes. prison cell, and he is very emotional when. It looks like Louis is going to go to the guillotine. So we got a lot of gushy in this episode. Yes, get... which is great. I... Yes, it, it really was. Because, I mean, he's always around and he's usually kind of like being helpful, but he's also a little bit of comic relief. So we actually mm-hmm. got the little, in addition to a lot more Louis, we got a little more gushy. Yeah, he's 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 one of those characters, yeah. That like he he's he's there. Sometimes he's in the background. Sometimes he's a bit in the foreground. But in this one, we got just a little bit more. And like like I mentioned earlier, the the scene where he's going to the guillotine um, is just a beautiful scene, and just like the 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 the, the light on Sarah's face as he, he, Louis saying goodbye to her, and and you can see her eyes welling up. And then tears begin to fall. Tears begin to fall. Do da do. Tears. Um. And then when Cor- Corky has the same thing as Corky's looking at him, you can just see Corky's eyes. They're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then wet. And then he begins to cry. And it's just like. And then I. And then my that that Gor- That here's the moment where I began to cry as Louis was leaving, and he turns and he looks at them, and they're in just their agony, but they, they're. The hidden tears. There, there, there are tears there, but they're not wanting to be like, oh no, you know, you don't want to do that. You want to try to put up a, a, a brave front. And where he just looks at all his friend, and he smiles and he says, "Long life." Mm-hmm. And then he leaves the room. And it's like I was on the floor. I was in tears. George the dog was licking my face. <laughs> I think he thought maybe there was meat there. There technically was. I'm made of meat, but I think he thought there was food there or something. I don't know, but it was just it was crazy for about two minutes. We were in just it was nuts, but it was just like it's a, it's a it's it's really great episode. And I, there there is one element of it I want to talk about, which I'm so Jake has a slight almost romance with the daughter. Mm-hmm. Well, and... she's a female with a pulse. What do you expect? Yes, yes. And um and um and, and you've seen I, I I forget the actress name, but she you know her from stuff. She's she's um, you, you... I think it's Faye Grant. And she she's been in a lot of stuff and um there's an interesting moment when she um when they're both there and sweaty and she kind of goes into his arms and he's he's hugging her and then Sarah walks in and is like, Oh boy what are you doing now? <laughs> and it's 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 interesting because it never it's I, I won't say how it ends. I get let's leave let's leave the I I'll I'll just the oh, the only thing I'll tell you for the ending is that Louis survives but I won't say whether or not he's I Sleepy Hollow. Uh, that's all I'll say. Who knows for the next episode? Hmm? 
you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what's going on, Ichabod Crane, with the, <laughs> with the next episode. So I'm not going to tell you headless or not. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, yeah, Jake sort of almost has this romance with the, with the young daughter, and, um, and you know, you can, you can, uh, and he, 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 he sort of fends her off, and you can, you can watch the show and take that any way you want. I won't go too in depth into that. Um, but, um, um, and she, she joins him on the journey to, to, to the government office and things, things don't quite go the way you'd imagine. Um, and I don't know if they fully go the way you sort of hope, but they go in a way where everyone's okay. Almost, almost. Um, and it's um, it's it's interesting. I, I there's a commentary on this from the writer. He was on uh, a few uh, the last episode or was that or the one before that? I forget which one he was on. I think it was the last one. And he's um, and again I said it's the weirdest thing to have a 21 episode set where the first <laughs> bit of special feature isn't until like 16 episodes in. That's that's a little strange. Um, but uh, but I only listened a few minutes of the writer's um commentary but this is this i think this is his favorite of the episodes that he was involved in and you can see why it's real it's really nicely done everyone has something to do sarah comes in a little late but she has a great scene where she's trying to make a singapore sling at the bar oh god and yes. just and just yells it like like this this big guy comes up and she looks at yeah what do you want singapore sling and she's like, doesn't anyone just want a beer? Uh, I forget. And she says something like that. And you're like, yeah, right. And she makes some concoction that looks like something that the professor would have thrown together on Gilligan's Island. And, and she, she gives it to him. And he, he takes a sip. And I think he thinks it's okay. I don't know. He doesn't punch her or anything. So, But, uh, but it is like for a brief second, I thought, so what? They're going to leave Sarah there? She's not going to come to the island? But she does. Yes. And, she and Gushy, because she's like, you know, we'll be do. We should close down the bar because it's there's just not enough business, and we would be doing Louis a favor by saving his overhead and all this stuff. And the bar is friggin' packed. It's absolutely packed. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's it's great because in the end they do assemble everyone there, and everyone is there. It may take a little too long to get them there, but but then we have the. I mean, we haven't really talked about the. Um, the courtroom, the trial, and everything. And I'll just ask, like, what, what did you think? Of, what did you think of the trial? Like, I guess I don't understand French law. So, what did you, what did you think of the trial? I don't understand much French. Oh. Um, <laughs> can, can we talk about the magistrate that Henry Darrow played? Yeah. And and did I miss the part why he is just a complete and total asshole? I didn't. I didn't. I he. I I miss. I missed it too. Like, uh, it, he is personally offended that Louis exists yes. and that he is a magistrate and that he apparently uh, killed this guy. And he is more than happy to just rush his ass down to the guillotine. He would probably drop the blade himself. I'm like, yes. did he spit on you at some point? What What is the matter? I realize you're French and people are, you know, you're spiky. You're French. But still <laughs> – that seems to be a little bit excessive. There, there is a weirdness to it because the moment you see him, there, there's almost a feeling of like, you know, like 
he mentioned something like says something like, uh, well, you're one of the five magistrates like myself that we have out here, and he's he, I, I, but but it's almost like it's almost like you know our clique was the best, and then you showed up, kind of thing. And I'm so glad that now I'm going to get to have your head cut off, and we'll put someone new in there. That it's it is really weird because it's never, it's never, it's never explained why. I mean, may, maybe that was a thing for a later episode. I don't know that. That's the only thing I could think of why you would introduce a character like that, who's a magistrate like Louis, and should I would think be on Louis' side, but isn't? Isn't it all? And it's it's so it's so weird. And I don't understand. I mean, so the, it, the French law here is you're guilty until proven innocent. Is that what it? Is yeah. that what? Because he, okay. he makes a comment of you know in American law you're innocent until proven guilty, but the French don't believe that. Mm. So it's 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 funny, and I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go overboard on this, but there's a Doctor Who story from 1964, the first season of the show, The Keys of Marinus, where Ian Chesterton, who played by William Russell, who was just in the most recent episode of Doctor Who, The Power of the Doctor, which aired in around Halloween of 2022, and he got in the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest gap in between. A character returning to a TV show played by the same actor. The last time he played Ian Chesterton was 1965, and he played him again in 2022. Boom. Anyway, but Ian is put on trial, and he's put on trial in a in a in a city on a planet called Marinus, where you are guilty until proven innocent. And I always thought that's interesting, but then when I saw it here, I thought, oh, that's actually something. <laughs> Oh gosh, okay, I didn't realize that because that seems because that seems really weird because then the concept is when Louis steps in there, everyone in the courtroom thinks murderer. Yeah. And he has to clear his name completely. And to me that's I you know, I I'd say that we have a pretty good thing going in America with the innocent until proven guilty, but but at the, but at the same time that's it's just it's just so weird. It, it, it's yeah and yeah I, I did um I, I I won't we won't we won't go too far to that I, I don't I don't want to overdo it because I think we could we could probably talk another 15 20 minutes about this episode because it's very good um but what, what what give me your final thoughts on it and then then we'll go to like trivia and talk the actors um I, I just I like this episode I will be I will mention this because I did mention the movie at the very beginning because the the running gag is that it is a dirty version of Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. that they're watching they're screening in the bar yes, and when yes. when Jake goes out to talk to Louis Louis asks him why aren't you watching the film and he says I've read the book I know how it turns out yes yes yeah, that was great that was great and I'm like are they what are they watching in there and I was like oh dear okay yeah I don't know I don't know if I want to know back then what exactly that looked like. <laughs> I'm um, sure it was great. I'm sure it's fantastic. Um, uh, but um, uh, so uh, yeah, and, and I and I agree. I, th- I think this is um, this is an excellent episode, and it's very satisfying in the end. And um, and that, that I think that scene where they're all in the room, and because Jake is Jake was was hurt um, uh, looking for the the the. Um, the the info to try to free Louie and he winds up in a weird hospital with the 
with uh, Laura Palmer's mom. And I thought, whoa, shit got real. What is going on here? <laughs> and there's a lot of French accents, so you're going to see a lot of actors who don't normally have French accents doing French accents. Yeah. And so it's, it does start to get a little surreal. And I almost expected, like, like Bob to start creeping over the bed behind them and start coming closer and closer. I was like, no, don't do it, don't do it. But um, so, so, yeah, I think this is... Um, I think this is a sharp, fun episode that, that like I said, uh, uh, you, you start off a show sort of in one spot, and then when you want to keep a show going and going, you you got to boost it somehow. And I think this boosts it by making it basically not about crazy treasures and monkeys and Nazis and this, that, and the other, all about the characters. That's how you do it. So let's go on to trivia. Um, I just have one little bit of trivia, and that is about uh, Henry Darrow. Yeah. Um, Yes, you probably know him. What was it? He was on the was he on the Virginian? Was that what it was? He was on some he, long, or was it High Chaparral? What am I thinking? Of? I think it was High. I think it was High Chaparral. He was also. Yeah. I, I actually kind of know him most from Harry O. Okay, yes, on that as well. But he also, since all of my trivia is Magnum PI related, he was also in an episode <laughs> of Magnum PI. He was called yeah, Paniolo. Yeah. He yeah he's and he, he's, he was not an asshole in that one. I should say. Yeah, he's he's the first of the two. Um, uh, uh, cops that Harry deals with in Harry O, and he actually comes out sadly has a bit of a tragic end about halfway through the series. But he's Aww. very good in it. Yeah, yeah, he, he he's very. I, I won't I won't ruin it. And I probably already ruined it. If you go to Harry O, is a great show. Um, and David Jansen and, and and um, but yeah, he he in the first season he's basically the the cop that Harry goes to to get assistance. And um and you'll recognize some of the actors too. You go, oh that guy, and that's so it's 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 good stuff. And um, uh, so so I guess that's lot of love and Louie. What is it? Whole lot of Rosie. What what is the <laughs> last, last chance? Louis. Last chance for Louie. Last chance Louie. So that's so where 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 can we find you online? You can find me at akakikiwrites.com. It is the home of my podcast, Bookum Dano, an old Hawaii Five-O podcast. You can also find me at my blog, kikiwritesabout.com. And if you want to witness me struggling to remember uh, Henry Darrow's <laughs> career in real time, you can do that by following <laughs> me on Twitter at kikiwrites. Yay! So, um, yeah, that's it for that one, everybody. And now, uh, next up, I don't even, I don't even know. Oh, oh, uh. A little bit of Fresno. Let's go back to Fresno, everyone. Here we go. Fresno episode three. Hooray! This is the fourth hour of the six hours of Fresno. And this is again directed by Jeff Blackner, written by Mark Ganzel, Barry Kemp, Michael Petrini. This aired November 18th, 86, which was a Tuesday. And uh, it's again, it's the continuing battle between the Canes and the Kensingtons and the water rights and the this, that, and the other. I will read just real quick off of Wikipedia. They they uh, grab two plot points that are important here. Tiffany 
finds a kindred spirit in Torch, a drifter without a shirt, and their search reveals the identity of her true parents. And Tyler, Tyler Kane, uses Juan as a spy to get the goods on Kane, Kane Kensington. So I'll just leave you as that. We 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 go pretty in depth into it in here. Let me just um, let me give you another uh, one more uh, Thanksgiving wish from your host. Hey everyone, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. From the main host of Adventure Super Train and a bunch of other podcasts, you know me. I'm the guy who can't stop talking. I'm Dan. All right, everyone, going back to Fresno for part three of the six-hour miniseries. This would be this would be hour four, part three. I know it sounds confusing. Don't worry about it. And, um, now I'm I'm going to say this before I introduce my uh, my guest host here, who you whose whose voice you might recognize. Um, the we're watching this in versions where people have strung all the episodes together. So I knew where episode two ended, and I was pretty sure I knew where episode one ended. I'm pretty sure I know where five ends. I definitely know where six ends. But we're not sure where four ends. We are going to end it with a cat fight between Talon and Tiffany. Um, I don't know if we end it starting with the cat fight. I feel like it should start with the cat fight, get really rough, like a dynasty kind of cliffhanger, and then stop. And then we'll catch the rest of the cl- cat fight later. But it's basically going to stop with the, the cat fight sequence in the bunkhouse. And so having said that, I would like to introduce to you Miss Fresno herself, Kristen Hawes. Kristen, how are you? I'm feeling so happy to be here, Dan. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing okay. I want to know. Now, this is, and I, I mentioned this last time, since this isn't a series, and it isn't like, you know, this isn't like, you know, when we did we did the Green Hornet, and every time it was Green Hornet, Cato, Miss Case, the lawyer guy, meeting up with new villains every time. This is basically the same characters every time with a continuing story, so it's a little odd talking about it. Um, having said that, what did you think of this chunk of Fresno? Oh, I thought this was quite fun. Um, there's a l- <laughs> there's a lot of humor, a lot of lines in it, obviously, because it is a send-up. But it also, like, surprisingly, it did really well advancing the plots because there's several different yes. plot lines happening. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of get caught up in the gags mm-hmm. for a bit, but then you kind of realize that, oh, no, like, we're making progress on yes. Tiffany finding her parents, mm-hmm. you know, just <laughs> stuff like that. So, yeah, I thought it was a, it was a really fun chunk of Fresno. Mm-hmm. What did you think of it? Yeah, yeah, same here. The um, uh, one of my f- uh, a couple of my favorite jokes are in this one. The um, with especially the one being when the two assassins are trying to throw Kane off of the water tower, and everyone's looking up there, and they uh, and they're like, "We're not doing anything." Hey, there's a guy trying to commit suicide. Let's help him up. <laughs> the- those two assassins. I don't. It's it's like partially they're really really dumb, but another part of it is they just. I think they're in the wrong job. Is yeah. what it is. It's 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 just the, it's just working for Mr. Acme and just screwing everything up. Um, and, and it's it is great too when they're driving through like the middle of the desert, and like looking for the high country. Do you know where it is? Well, I wouldn't tell you if I knew. Says Mr. Kane. Says Kane, not Kensington. Um, uh, that's uh that's uh, a great moment. I love the um I I, I absolutely love the um 
the and and this, like you said, is the way it moves it along. And that you get a couple of scenes with 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 Torch and Tiffany uh, trying to find out her her background, and you get <laughs> the moment when she goes to her doctor. And he's like, and he she he sees Torch, and she's like, I, I have some questions, Doctor. I forget she I, I forget exactly what she says, but he immediately looks at Torch. You wait here, young man. <laughs> now, why are you here, Tiffany? Is it about that young man outside? No, no. And she's in a hospital gown, already examined. No, I'm not even. Oh, I'm sorry. I just took it for granted. Um, but the the best of the people they go to see is the um the lady at the orphanage. Yes. <laughs> not only to have the great scene where they're like, well, let's go look at the records. Oh, wait one second. It's like, um, Mr. And Mrs. Smith, have you decided? And they just show a couple standing in front of like five kids. Yes, we'll take this one. Oh, fantastic. All right. <laughs> and then the, uh, the, uh, what, we, there's no record of, of this, of, of you being here. Would you think you lost the record? Let's see. In 51 years, we've never lost the record, but yes, you're right. We've lost yours. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, and when you go to the hospital and ask them for the record, um, ask them if they lost it. They'll love that. Oh, yeah. I love that bit. I love it's that just, so much. It's, it's just one of those little bits where um, she's just kind of there for, there for maybe a minute, minute and a half, and she's hilarious. <laughs> she's just fantastic. So there's a lot of great stuff in here. It does advance it. You get, like, Juan um, moving over to the dark side as it were, mm-hmm. and working for Tyler Kane, spying on the um, Kensingtons in the most ridiculous ways possible. With my favorite being when they walk in and they're arguing, all the Kensingtons are arguing, and then you look over and Juan's just reading a book in a chair. <laughs> Juan, what the hell are you doing? I thought I'd read a book. You're not allowed in the house. What are you doing? And then he keeps showing up and he's on the phone. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff in here. And, um, and, and Tiffany's sort of slowly becoming more um, sort of assertive uh, with the help of, of course, the uh, the manly man by her side. And um, and, and you can see Kane is, Kane is beginning, Kane Kensington is beginning to slightly lose it because he's getting a bit um, whinier as he goes. Um, but overall, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fun stuff in this episode. And I guess I already named some of the bits I thought were, were very funny. But what, what were some of your favorite bits? Um, I liked the um when they're trying to kill Kane, and by throwing him off the water tower, and they're like, and he's yelling, they're trying to kill me, and they're going, no, we're not, no, we're not. Yeah, well, I mean, they had a sound plan, and that no one would suspect that they were doing a murder in broad daylight in the water tower in the middle of town. <laughs> but it it was just their bad luck that Kevin was released from prison at that time. So that exact all moment. of the reporters were right there. And then he's like, he tells them, Hey, there's somebody trying to throw somebody off the, the yeah. water tower. And the guy, and then he's like, don't point the camera at me. Point it at them. <laughs> and then later on, there's a great moment where Talon is trying, attempting to seduce Kane. And he's just got this down in the dumps look on his face with him being pushed off the water tower. It's just like, I'm sorry. I'm just watching myself with these guys trying to push me off the water tower. And I'm just not in the mood. <laughs> yeah, I, I did like that. That she's there trying to seduce him and she's being all sexy and everything. And he's like, I'm trying to watch myself get pushed off the water tower. <laughs> and then because at that point, oh, because he says that cause she's talking about, do you remember the times that we were passionate and all this? And he goes, you mean when I was cheating on my wife with you? Yes. And, <laughs> And she takes offense to that and, you know, obviously drinks get thrown and she storms mm-hmm. off and 
And since Juan is supposed to be his bodyguard, she goes to slap him. <laughs> yes, that was And he nice. pulls Juan in the way so Juan gets slapped. Takes a slap, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. The, the, um, there, there is, um, there are, there are two sort of, um, well, I don't know, one sort of self-aware-ish. And um and one one kind of is the um the moment where uh the the day after the water tower thing where Talon has gone out and she's been out all night and and no one knows where she is and they're all they're all arguing about where their moms are. Oh, and and Kane's and and is is this the episode where Kane's little kid throws the water in his face or is that another one? It's it's this episode and it's mm-hmm. um it's Bobby Joe and. Oh, it's Bob. It's Bob. It's BJ. BJ. BJ Bob. Yep. And he's like, "Where do they? Where do these kids learn this stuff?" And (laughs) you've been throwing drinks like hourly (laughs) throughout this. The the and 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 Kane has this great tirade where he's like, "Uh, "Your mom's over there, and your mom's in an insane asylum. My mom's right here. Oh my God! You think this was Roots?" (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and then there's one more moment later on where um, Charlotte is kind of. has had a dream and she said I was watching my soap opera and then suddenly Tyler Kane was in it talking about how we polluted water is he in my soap opera now and she says something like am I in a soap opera what's going on and, like, <laughs> and Kane's just sitting there going you're blathering mama what are you talking <laughs> <Yeah>. about <laughs> uh See, and I, I, I will say the thing—the thing I, I remember about this episode is that when this originally aired, uh, I missed it. This was the one I missed because I lived on the East Coast, and I, I imagine this still happens a lot. I don't live on the East Coast anymore. Uh, when the president and such, when he used to give speeches, they would always be at around eight o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, and, and so. The night that this aired, this episode aired, uh, Reagan was on giving a speech. Maybe it was State of the Union. I don't know. Um, I, um, but he was giving a speech, and so we weren't able. Uh, I couldn't see it, so I didn't see it until. He, so I'd seen the whole thing, but I didn't see this episode till years later when I found a copy on DVDR, which was too bad because I I was 13 and I really wanted to. In the opening when they show Terry Gar and the Teddy, I really wanted to see that. And of course, that was in the episode that Reagan got in front of. Uh, he I, oh, just I ruined ha- so many things, yeah, didn't he? God, oh God! Oh, I haven't felt this sick since we saw that Ronald Reagan film. A uh, little airplane <laughs> for you there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, and, and the, the worst thing about that was that I went into school the next day, and there were a few people I knew. Um, this was when I was Christ the King, and it was in eighth grade, and several people I knew were also watching it, and we were sad that we weren't able to see it and then um one uh, gal janet came in and she said oh they showed it after the news and i said what were you doing up at eleven thirty? well you know i just stay up but yeah apparently they showed it at eleven thirty. i was like Dah! they shouldn't do that nowadays we know that was going to happen but we didn't know that was how or you would read on social media hey fresno is showing right now but back then it was like they literally showed the episode three hours late I was like, how would we have known? How would we have known that? And so for years, I was like, I want to see Terry Gar in that Teddy. <laughs> and now I have, and it's as wonderful as I was hoping it would be. Hooray! Yay! All right. A happy ending. Ah, uh, the best. <laughs> um, so uh, what is the, 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 I, I, again? I've, I'll, I'll say this again because 
there because there aren't new characters getting introduced and we're just following the same characters there's not we're not getting introduced to whole new worlds in every episode, you know, that kind of thing. We're not, you know, this isn't the fugitive where it's one person and a whole new cast every episode or something. This is the same cast with occasional bit parts. And so it's a little tough to, uh, I mean, apart from saying it does a really nice job of advancing the plot, we learn a little bit more, we learn a little bit more. Obviously, we learn who Tiffany's mom is, but she will not divulge who the dad is. And, um... Uh, we're drawing up to the fact that um, uh, both Tiffany and, and Torch realize they have uh, feelings for each other. And, you know, and, and Talon, I guess, has feelings for someone. It's a little tough to say. Um, but what else? What else? I'm going to look through my notes because um, I got a lot of them. I wrote a lot of them. Um, uh, speaking of, since I'm, we're just going to go back to the water tower. That was cute. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, but Kevin ends up kind of saving his brother. And then they promptly get into a fight because yeah. it's Kane's fault that Kevin is in jail. Yeah. And while they're brawling up on the water tower, Charlotte's down there talking to the reporters, saying um, how important family is and that sibling rivalry sometimes rears its ugly head. But the boys, you know, deep down in their hearts, you know, know that family means everything as they're like beating the crap out of each other. <laughs> and then they go home and. Kevin is like still pissed and he's like you framed me for murder and of course Kane in that wine of his goes and I said I was oh, sorry yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's Kane is um Kane is doing his best but I, I I'd like to think that this is um sort of uh the Kensingtons at their most beleaguered because if this is the way Kane is living every day of his life he's going to have a series of heart attacks like over the <laughs> next year or two because this is this is a little rough um yeah. Uh let's see um Oh yeah, Billy and Bobby. It's funny with Billy and Bobby in that um they they clearly love each other but and but every time they they meet up, one of them does something to annoy the hell out of the other and one of them goes storming off or, or storming back into the jail. So it's kind yeah. of a it's kind of an interesting well, dynamic cuz we never really saw much of them before. Yeah. Um he shot he shot the he shot, what's her name? Ethel. Ethel, yes, yes. Well, it kind of makes me think about how on soap operas, now I'm I'm guessing this probably works for nighttime soaps. It definitely happens on daytime soaps. And that you get that perfect couple that's together and they're happy, and so they have to manufacture drama yes. for mm-hmm. them. And that's what it kept feeling like was just like, well, yes, we have to give them these you know trust issues that they were non-existent prior to this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because we have to have that couple drama yeah. for them and that's what it was but it got us you know uh, and, a telethon yes ex- oh yeah for yeah. Billy Joe or yeah it's 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 and yeah where she goes to um Jerry Van Dyke there and says and I I love that because you don't you don't know at this point what exactly <laughs> What exactly is going to happen? But there's just a can. Can you can we arrange some sort of telethon for women with husbands in prison? I don't know. Let me make a call. Hello, Tom. What are the chances of me getting uh, all three of the major networks and like PBS and whatever and everything uh, in about uh, 24 hours uh, for a telethon? Oh, that good. Okay, yeah. He said no problem. <laughs> Just, are you humoring her, or is that just is that just sort of a soap opera kind of thing? Like, um, that's the way things work. They just happen. They just know? happen. 
They just, you know, you, you go to I a mean, tax. Oh, yeah. I'm but to be honest, would you turn Jerry Van Dyke down if he asked you for a telethon? No, not at no, all. No, you wouldn't. No, I would say, Jerry, please enjoy the telephone <laughs> um uh let's see uh what else uh, yeah poor billy and bobby uh juan what yeah juan's great in this episode he just oh he's, yes he's hilarious spy. <laughs> he, he's just um, um dusting the plants and and spilling stuff and just generally being uh, and when he's on the phone <laughs> And he has to talk in code. Yeah, and he has to talk in code. And Kane and just keeps standing there saying, Juan, what are you doing? Juan, come on, get off the phone. And he won't actually just, like, make, you know, take the phone from him or yeah. just hang up the phone, you know, or just something. He's just standing there as, as as Juan is talking to Tyler Kane on the other end, and they're both getting more and more sort of uh, – everything's getting a little out of hand. Poor Juan. <laughs> I hope he ends up all right. I really do. I'm worried. Me too. Uh, um, so let's see. And yeah, because the, um, did we say what the two Tiffany's mom is? I forget. No. Would you like to? Would you like Uh, to? Yes. So Tiffany, she goes to the orphanage. They don't have any record for her. And I'm sure they, they lost that only record in like what? 81 years or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And she goes to the hospital and the hospital very quickly finds that record. And tells her that there's no record of anybody named Tiffany Kensington being born that night. And I'm like, how did you find that so quickly in 1986 without the internet? Mm -hmm. No computer filing whatsoever. You don't even have an Excel spreadsheet. Yes. And But then she says, you know, she reveals that there was only one baby born that night, and her name was Jane Doe, Mm. born to Dorothy Doe. (laughs) And she's like, oh, if only I were Dorothy Doe, then, you know, I would know, or Jane Doe, I would know who my parents were. And he's like, what if you are? Like, (laughs) think about this. And so they go and talk to Dr. Tom Poston. and Mm. Who's great, yeah. Yeah, who does the very dramatic soap thing of eventually revealing the startling news that her mother is Charlotte Kensington. Yes. So her mother is her mother. And there's a great it, is is it at the end of this episode where she says um, um, something like where she, where Charlotte and and Tiffany are kind of having an argument and um, and Charlotte says something like, I can't believe you're speaking to the woman who bore you and then took you in and gave you a home. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like yes. okay, Charlotte, it's it's by Charlotte Charlotte Carol Burnett is really great in this because there are moments when she seems. She seems like a like a Miss Ellie, and she's she's kind of knows what she's doing. But then there are other times where she is out to lunch. She is just woohoo, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I loved it when she was up in Tiffany's bedroom and yeah. Tiffany's talking to her about that, and she goes, "Do you have anything like a bar up here?" <laughs> and Tiffany has like doll houses, and she has one like up on a pedestal, like almost like it's a birdhouse or like a cat yeah. thing or something. It's like she has this series of doll houses and. Is there anywhere we can talk in private? Well, we can go to your room. Yeah, no one seems to look in there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, overall, it's it's a it's it's a great episode that advances everything, and it's got a lot of laughs. And like you said, it gives us just enough here and there to keep things going. And and I and I'm we're we're gonna I'm gonna talk about the ending here, and then we can talk about anything else, and then and then we can go about our business. But the, um, uh, yeah, the the ending. Now, like I said, this is kind of an ending we had to choose because the th- the thing with soap operas is that the average episode of a soap opera wasn't a huge cliffhanger. It was basically something like you know, 
um, you know, if uh, JR gets that deal, we could be closed down, and then there's a freeze frame on somebody. You know, they're not, you know, it's the end of the season where someone's getting shot or getting put, pushed off a ledge or, or you know, South Fork's getting set on fire. You know, the, 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 the cliffhangers here are actually perfect sort of regular – there's, like, a reveal or there's just a little like, – like with the previous one where you think um, Kane is going to lose, but then the lawyer comes in at the last moment. And so this one, we really couldn't figure out, <laughs> pardon me, where the cliffhanger was. So we put it on the big cat fight between Tiffany and Talon. And, um, uh, yeah, t- t- Talon tries to seduce uh, – and she almost does for a split second – I I almost feel like did you did you get that feeling with just for a second? Yeah, he he kissed back for he a did. split second. He lost himself for a split second. He, he said, "Well, it's Terry Gar in a, in a teddy and the fur." And I do like I mean, when she no, said, "I'm not blaming him." Oh no, yeah, all. no, please, no, no. There's no blame being. <laughs> and, and it's a, uh, it's it, and I love how she says, "Just I went and just sat at the bar all night." And as you can imagine, dressed only in a teddy and a fur, my dance card was not light. Or something like that. I forget how she described. It. My dance card was full, um, yeah. and uh, and and but he yeah that's where he reveals that he's um, he thinks he's having feelings for Tiffany and then reveals that Tiffany um, might be her might be a Kensington after all, and uh, and <laughs> and then there's a great moment where Tiffany walks in looking for Torch and um, and uh, Talon, what are you doing here? Tiffany, it's not what you think. You are trying to seduce Torch again. It's exactly what you think. <laughs> and Tiffany, having much more, you know, much more self-assured of herself now, begins a classic Dynasty-style catfight. But instead of, like, being in front of a huge mansion or falling into a fountain, they're, like, knocking over those old, like, wood-burning stoves and pushing <laughs> beans into each other's faces. Yes. And it's it's a pretty raucous fight. I mean, between the two actresses and when the stunt women take over and are flipping each other around, yeah. it's it's a pretty great fight. Now, I'm gonna what I'm gonna do is I'm going to I'm gonna I think I'm gonna have the episode end here, the moment when the lawyer walks in and they stop. There's a little more fighting after that, but we'll save it for the next one. But what did you think of the cat fight up until the moment when the lawyer walks in? Um, it it very much reminded me of um when the two Girl Scouts are brawling an airplane. Oh, yes, that's very that's much. what it made me think of. That was the level of cat fight we were at. Mm-hmm. We weren't sliding anybody across bars quite yet, but we were working up there. If the lawyer hadn't intervened, someone it was probably been. going through a window. Is just that, how I yeah. feel. And and Torch probably wouldn't have noticed because he was outside taking a shower, and he thinks it's the other farm hands. Those farm hands. <laughs> And I wonder if when he's in the shower, does he still have his pants on? They're probably hanging there, right? Were That's they an excellent there? question. I would imagine he would take them off for the shower. I imagine, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a great cat fight. I mean, they really go for it. They kick, they kick the hell out of each other, like the two Girl Scouts in airplane. They're really slapping the crap out of each other, and which which makes it, um, which makes it even funnier. Especially mm-hmm. when they, when they hit the ground and start rubbing beans in each other's faces. <laughs> I, I miss where those beans came from, but I don't care. Because that, because to see, because to see Terry Gar in in her lingerie getting beans rubbed in her face, that's funny, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. That's that's comedy. I'm not, no argument, no argument. Um, so was there anything else about this episode? I um, tr- tr- trust us, folks. If you if you're now, I know we're we're gonna be spoiling stuff. I should have said that at the beginning, right? Damn it. Um, <laughs> 
I'll say it at the beginning of the episode. Um, but we, yeah, we're going to be spoiling stuff. We're going to be going through it since since it is a satire. We're going to be naming our favorite jokes. We're going to be doing this. And we've only got two more episodes left, so it's not like if this is something where you're like, guys, we don't want to hear you name your favorite jokes. Hit the road. Find another short-lived TV show podcast to listen to. I'm kidding. Yeah, tough luck, Chuck. Tough, tough luck. Tough luck. No, but that, that's that's the way this is. I mean, if it'd be like if we talked about airplane. What what will we talk about? The brilliance of the plotting? No, we're going to talk about our favorite jokes and our favorite bits. So, yeah. so um, anything else on this one? Any trivia? Anything? Well, I have two more little plot point things that I sh- we should oh, mention just to keep because they'll come up later. Okay. And I do have one little bit of trivia. So the two plot points I want to mention is that they did bail Kevin out of prison, but he ends up going back to prison so they can get the bail money back. So they can use that. So as soon as the will's read, he can try to buy the water rights from Earl. Yes. And um, and uh, it's great because Kane argues that Kevin will be safer in jail because Acme's men won't be able to get him there. And Charlotte's like, well, what about you? And he goes, well, I'll just have to live by my wits. And she's like, that really is suicide. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then um, the press conference that... Charlotte thought was part of her soap opera. That was um, Tyler Kane using the information from Juan to mm, yes. formally declare that he's filing a lawsuit, say, citing that the Kensingtons ruined the water supply with toxic waste for both of their land. Mm-hmm. And that's going to come up. That's rather important. Yes. It's going to come up later. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And. My one bit of random trivia, because I know you love my random trivia for Fresno. I do, I do. Uh, Jerry Van Dyke is from Danville, Illinois, as is his older brother, Dick Van Dyke. Mm-hmm. And uh, Danville is actually only like a little over an hour east of where oh, I wow. live. I've been there multiple times. Not to their house or anything, but <laughs> just over to D-Town. So. Oh, oh, That's wow. my random bit of trivia. Nice. Is there like a Jerry Van Dyke museum there? or? No, I think they were, like, going to buy their childhood home. Mm-hmm. I think the city was, or somebody in the city was, and do something with that to honor the fact that, you know, two legends basically grew yeah, up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know if there's any any official museum to either wow. yet. Wow. But I still think it's pretty neat. And Danville's pretty proud of it. Danville's yeah, have well, a should, lot they should on, be, so. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta take you gotta take what you can. You get something like that. That's pretty super. Yeah. Yeah. I I and um, you know, I, I one thing I've noticed is that quite a few of the secondary characters have sort of like Armenian sounding names. Yeah, I noticed that as well. Like the 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 doctor does, and there was someone in a previous episode. Oh oh oh, oh. Jerry Van Dyke's character. Yeah, Jerry Van Dyke's character does, and um. Hygienian is like the doctor's name or something yeah, like that. There huh? was somebody else in one of the earlier. I think the bank manager. Oh yes, that's one. right. Him too. Yep, yep. Yeah. And it's it's yeah, it's a it's a little uh it I don't know why that is. That that's um I don't I don't, I don't know what that's meant to imply. But um maybe nothing. Maybe they just like the they're cuz they're bouncing names, Genian, Babadian, Bababa. They have a nice bounce to them. So maybe that's why they like them. It's, they're fun to, fun to say. It's almost like, you know, just giving them nonsense names because they know no one's going to pay attention or remember them. True, true. Yeah, it could have been just like maybe, maybe when they were whoever typed it up just like just put it put, pick a name yeah. and then they just left them in because they were fun. Leave them there. Leave them there. I had one more point that I completely forgot now. 
I was going to say that um, uh, in the scene where Talon tries to seduce Kane, her color coding wise, her lingerie kind of matches what Kane is wearing, kind of a black and red. Oh thing. yes, I noticed that. And then he because because he's got like a black robe on, but he's got the little 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 pocket square napkiny or whatever that handkerchief thing that's red, and he's got like a. Um, cravat you know one of those you know hello you know little cravat scarf around his neck kind of thing that uh and, and that's red too and then she comes out and she's in the black and red too so it's uh it's kind of like that was i i applaud that she's kind of like trying to trying to get them to match up there of course he's yeah like we said he's too busy looking at himself getting thrown off the water tower <laughs> yeah uh so do you have anything else on this one uh nope i think i'm good to go Awesome. Um, oh, oh! Uh, I'll just add with one last line, which is that as Talon is storming out the door in lingerie with a fur coat, and he's um, and uh, and Kane is yelling after her. The last thing he yells is, "Talon, you'll catch cold," <laughs> which is a great way to uh, to wrap that up. So that was that was episode three of Fresno, and uh, Chris, where can we find you online? You can find me at akakikiwrites.com. It is the home of my podcast, Bookum Dano, an old Hawaii Five-O podcast. You can find me at my blog, kikiwritesabout.com. And if you want my thoughts on Terry Gar in lingerie in real time, <laughs> you can get that by following me on Twitter at kikiwrites. Excellent. And uh, now... Middleman episode 11. Oh, the penultimate episode. Directed by John Kretschmer, written by Margaret Dunlap, August 25th, 2008. The Clotharian Contamination Protocol. There's a ton of stuff that goes on in this. I'm not sure. I'm not going to make a fool on myself uh, rambling here, but it's. Um, uh, they recover, Middleman and, and uh, uh, Wendy recover uh, uh, something from a space probe. And it's infected with nanobots sent by the Clotharians. We remember them. They had the boy band who gave us trouble a few episodes back. I won't explain exactly why they sent it, but it basically takes over Middleman HQ, which has to be shut down. It takes over Ida's brain, and she kind of goes crazy trying to kill Wendy and the Middleman. Meanwhile, Wendy's boyfriend, whose name I've forgotten, you know him, he was the, the guy, he was in the band and he left the band and gave them their big hit. He is being actively recruited by one of the richest men in the world, or something like that, to do something or other. I'll let you listen to us talk, we talk about it a lot. Let me give you one more, uh, one more little just, uh, just a little something from the main host of this show. Hey everyone, this is Dan and I just wanted to say to you, I hope you have a fantastic Thanksgiving. I've said that already, I know, but I hope you have a great Thanksgiving meal. It's one of my favorite parts of the holiday. The preparation of the meal, uh, purchasing the food, the preparation of the meal, putting it all together, the turkey or tofurkey, which which we have a lot in this house, and all the extras that go with it, and the pies, and the and the and the sweet potatoes, and the some people put marshmallows on, which I find fun, although I would just rather have a bowl of melted marshmallows and you got your what the beans and you got your potatoes and you got your great breads and rolls and all kinds of things but my favorite 
I will say my favorite Thanksgiving treat, and it always has been since I was a kid, and you can do it on your stovetop, and that is, I love a big, huge, tasty pile of stuff. The Clothorian Contamination Protocol. Was that my good friend, Kristen Renee? I do believe it was. Yay! Welcome. This is the penultimate episode. Ah! It's 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 rough, you know, because it's like if if a show like Beyond Westward only had five episodes, so it was kind of like a little, you know, it was like it happened and then it was over, you know, and and, and then other shows like um, we did Green Hornet, or oh, when Mitchell and I did Bourbon Street Beat, you know, that was like you immerse yourself. It's just it's this this gorgeous hot spring, but not the kind of hot spring that boils you like a hot spring where it's like nice and you get into it you enjoy it you and you immerse yourself this this is the kind of show where like i'm really enjoying the middleman and after this chat we only have one more and i don't know if it breaks my heart a little because doing a short-lived tv show for six and a half years you get your heart broken about every four months so, but, but it's still a little sad. What, how, how are you doing knowing that we only have after this one, there's only one more. I'm, I'm really kind of bummed cause I really, really like this show and I really like all of these characters and it's going to yes. be really hard to say goodbye. Yeah, it, 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 it hurts a little, but we're going to try, we're going to try to, um, we're going to try in about a half an hour <laughs> to, um, because I'm trying. Because I, I, I did. I, I think every once in a while I go. I go on too long. So I'm gonna try to keep it calm. Um, but we're gonna try to encompass why um, we, we 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 in the next one we'll do why we love the show. And this one I, I I do have to start off. Did you like the episode? Because if you hated the episode, this will be shorter. <laughs> I loved the episode. Okay, so let's go. Why? Give me give me give me some of the love. Oh. It's so much fun because it is it is their diehard episode, <laughs> and it's that most of it takes place in Middleman head, headquarters, and we have uh, this alien virus that you think is one thing, but then it's another, and Ida gets compromised, and so we have even more Ida wit, and yes. we get to see an inner Ida that we've never yes. seen before. Yes. So yeah, I. I of course, I love this episode. It's a lot of fun, and it's yeah. I mean, it's it's holding the course for the rest of the yes. the, the show. Yeah. What do you think of it? I mean, the, the imagination is so high in the episode that I actually had to watch it twice because I was like, at the end of it, I was like, I, I think I missed a thing or two because there's so much going on. It's so nicely so nicely done. It's not only the Die Hard episode, but it is, and I was I was very happy to hear it's also the doctor who episode because i may mention that there are doctor who references all over the episode and i'll bring up some of those for some of you who might not know but um but it's just such a fun episode and it has sort of the the, the b plot with tyler and men servant neville um which is interesting which is interesting um because it's it, it's it's actually that that's a sort of plot line where i feel like that needs more episodes to grow, but I don't think it's going to get any more episodes to grow. Um, but it is, it is interesting anyway. So let's, um, what, what do you want to talk about first? You want to dive into the, the, um, the, uh, the attack on, on the building or do would you like to talk a little bit about Tyler or, or where, where would you like to begin? It's your choice. It's your call. CR. Well, 
<laughs> we need to talk about first that the middleman is very upset about this, and he uses a lot of salty language. Yes, <laughs> that's 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 right. There's he he he. he he shows up in the hazmat suit at um at Wendy and and Lacey's apartment, and him and Wendy, uh, him and Lacey have a sweet moment together. But but obviously he is there's something big, 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 big going on. And um, what is it? Is it the vo- one of the Voyagers? Right, crashed. Yes, Voyager what? two was sent back and crashed. Yes, yes. Um, sent back after it passed Neptune and it went way out there. Somehow it was sent back and it crashed in like a parking lot. Yeah, which it now looks like a what did she say? A destroyed hibachi. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it looks like that. Because <laughs> she was talking about how oh, I remember when my dad sat me down and we watched the images it showed of Neptune, and now it's sitting like a parking lot, looking like a destroyed hibachi. Yep, exactly. And some people from NASA show up and they get them, <laughs> they get them to go away, and they get the and that scene has a lot of Doctor Who references, but I'll go into that later um, because I don't want to over nerd. Anything. Maybe maybe I'll do a a side episode where I just do the Doctor Who references because I don't want to go too nerdy. But um, but yeah, it's great. And they they yeah they bring the this this thing back into the middleman headquarters and then it all goes wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um. So um. What? Uh, geez, there's so much in this episode. It really is. Did you did you have a favorite scene or because I'm 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 looking at my my notes here which are oddly enough written on a paper plate don't ask <laughs> uh, that was all I had um, uh, <coughs> but did you did you have a favorite scene oh I, I will I love the code forty sevens but I will let you what is what are some of your uh, what is one of your favorite scenes I also um, love the forty sevens. I I loved the um, decontamination that's, scene. That's fun. That's fun. It's it, it's it's such an interesting scene because like they're almost naked. Yeah. And again, ABC Family. Mm-hmm. What's and, but it's funny too because it's never like it's never a lingering thing. Like they both look great in their underwear. Yes. I mean, you you, you you have one of two choices here. You could f- f- enjoy the drama or go a little. It's your choice. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, who doesn't want some eye candy with their drama? Please, yeah. So, so tell me, tell me, tell me more. I'm sorry, I interrupted your. Um, your you were part. also excited about the decontamination scene. <laughs> I did. I got excited. Because they think they've been exposed to an alien virus, so of course there's a there's the Nakatomi protocol, <laughs> or and they go into this decontamination thing, and um, they have to strip, they have to scrub each other because the entire droid got destroyed, destroyed. and he normally would do it. And she's like, great, and cross that off my list, giving my boss a silkwood shower. Yes, yes. And it's fabulous because they strip down to their underwear, and then she walks over to get the brush, and when she turns around, he's nude. Yes. And she's like, oh, my God. <laughs> and like, Listen, he's like, there's no time for modesty. No time for modesty, Debbie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, so I don't – it's just – it could have played um, like they could have sexualized it more, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though ABC Family, but they didn't, and they mm-hmm. played it like straight for comedy. Yes, and and that it, there's nothing sexual or arousing about any of this because we could have been contaminated by an alien bug. Yes, and it's the middleman who is very you know tall glass of milk. Mm-hmm. So it was just 
It's really, really funny. It's really, I mean, it's like, it's like when the middleman is, is bitten by the vampire puppet in the last one, and they're running along, and they're, they're trying to get out, and, you know, you see him with a huge bandage on his neck, and and um, and when, when Ida's going to give him the shot, uh, he says, is it, is it ready? And she says, yeah, bend over. And he gives her a look and just holds out his arm. You know, it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it, it is very nicely done because there's no, um, because you, I mean, you, like I said, they're, they're two, they're two gorgeous people, yes. you know, so, so you could go, yeah, mm. but you, you don't, and it's fun and it's, and I, I do applaud like after all of it's done and they put their clothes back on, like Wendy's like in a white shirt looking great, like a vest. And I'm thinking I'd be sweating through that thing. <laughs> I'd just be like, whoo, yeah, do do a little bird flapping there on the arms there to try to get some breeze through. But um, but they, they look good. Mm-hmm. I guess that's why they're the middle people. Yes. And I'm sitting here talking about them. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, but but the, the yeah the episode gets crazy you get you get um you get ventilation <laughs> shafts that expand yes so you could go through <laughs> what was this building designed by TV, by TV writers, writers yeah <laughs> <laughs> which is great you get and that that great moment when they're watching Ida through the through the thing and one of them speaks too loud and yeah. she looks up and it's like can she hear us I sure can and they start <laughs> shooting and it's like it's it's yeah, and they're, as they're crawling through the, well, pretty much after the Nakatomi Protocol, which was named for the events that inspired the the movie, uh-huh. um, they, yeah. she's doing nothing but quoting Die Hard. Yes. <laughs> Come out to the coast, we'll have a few laughs. Yeah. <coughs> now um. I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> um, uh, let's see, what... Um... What else we got? That that that. This is. I mean, I think uh, just hopping ahead toward towards the end when she when she when she meets the the brain of Ida. Yes. That's a lovely scene. It is because the brain of Ida is not what you expect it to be. She's this very she's this classically dressed in all black, hair done mm-hmm. up very nicely. You know, she's still snarky, but she's also softer. Yes. And it's not what you're expecting Ida to be. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's a great contrast to the actual Ida that we get, but you don't lose Ida at no. any point. No, Ida, and Ida's still there. Yeah. It, it makes her some really great scenes yes. in, in her brain. Yeah, with the with the nanobots outside yes. doing, and and I, and I will say the way that Wendy figures out how to get herself out of Ida. As it were, mm-hmm. back of the is is nicely done because it's one of those things that much earlier in the episode you see. I forget what is the guy, the Maximum Baldwin or whatever. What is his yeah, name? Um, yeah, his name is uh, Maximum Aldwin because he Aldwin, got promoted. Yes. yes, it's the it's the um, it's the ridiculous guy from the um, the the supergroup boy band episode. Who kind of um, from Clothar who who talks down to them. He's been promoted, but he's still ridiculous um and like i mentioned in, in the um in, in the plot breakdown they send these nano bots there to wreck havoc and um and uh <laughs> it's um they the he mentions in there somewhere that they are these indestructible things and wendy uses that in the end 
and it's cleverly done because the moment you you she realizes it, you realize it, and you're like, okay, how will this work? And then it works, and you're like, oh, thank goodness, thank goodness. So uh, what what else? I mean, there's this this one like as it's funny. I love the vampire puppet episode, but that one has very specific like uh, a plots, b plot, c plot. This one has a B plot with Tyler and manservant Neville, which is fairly straightforward. But the A plot is pretty nuts. Yeah. And I I mean the paper plate I have, I wish I had a second paper plate. <laughs> I tried to write down all the notes I could. Well, did you want to talk you mentioned it earlier about the code 47? 47. Yeah, so the the code 47 is the the message that a middle man, a middle middle person sends out to um in in this case it's middleman sending it to to Dubby to Wendy um whenever they're at the end of a it's basically a goodbye. If you're watching this, I become a zombie fish. If you're watching this, um I'm trying to think of some of the other the other ones. Um, 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 I didn't come out of the underworld. Yes, I didn't come out of the other You know, from, from the other episodes, if you're watching this, I didn't make it out of whatever it was. And he always records one. to And, I, and, and in one respect, Wendy is, is right sort of saying that that's like um, almost like a, I'm going to fail. So yeah. I'm going to do this immediately. But in other respect, it's quite beautiful. Mm-hmm. To to do something where it's like, you know, like to take a moment where because it's it's not like like when I you know, you know like um, today I, I went into the office and worked tomorrow I won't, but today when I went in the office I didn't make a message up for my wife and say honey if I don't make it back, <laughs> uh, but 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 the middleman however and Wendy they they may not make it back from from something they do and so there's something gorgeous about the fact that he will have a point where he's like i i want to say goodbye to people i care about so i will record this last message and then it's beautifully undercut by the fact that he begins to record a code 47 while he's in the decontamination room with her (laughs) and she's standing right behind him it's a very funny moment. I'm right here, and it's it's just a very funny moment. But it's also a very um, it's also a very sweet moment. I mean, the middleman, I I think um, in his Eisenhower jacket, is a very very um, he's a tough guy. He's 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 a rough guy. He's a smart guy, but he's also a sort of a sentimental sweet guy, and and obviously that's why. I mean, I don't think Lacey would, you know, fall for she doesn't fall for someone like Pip, who's a jackass. She falls for someone like the middleman, and she doesn't know what the middleman does. She just knows that she's the boss, her friend's boss, and she loves her friend, and her friend really likes working with the boss. And so that's, and I don't mean Springsteen, I mean the middleman. <laughs> so, so, and so there's like a nice, you know, there, there's a thing there, and it's like, I, I love that code for the moment he revealed that that was one of those sweet things that like if the show had gone on for a few seasons you know there would have been a callback to that at like a huge emotional like season finale moment mm-hmm. something would have come up and you oh my god it's a code 47 and and we would have all had to think for a moment the code 40 oh no 
kind of thing. So what what did you, I mean, I, I, I hope you didn't hate it. And I, I just went overboard. You were sitting there thinking, wow, get over it, Dan. Come on. <laughs> no, I loved the code. 47 bits, especially when he is in the contamination. Yes, and the camera pans over slightly, <laughs> and she's it. standing there. <laughs> and he keeps prodding her throughout the episode, you know, you need to you need to do this. Mm-hmm. Recorded code 47, don't, you know, because, you know, what about what you want to tell Lacey? What do you want to tell your mom? And she's like, if I have to tell them that you know, what I think of them, that I'm not being a very good friend. Yes, yes and no, yes. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and so, but yeah, when it looks like she's not going to make it back, she does. She does her oh, code forty-seven. Come on. Yeah, and but she does it live. <laughs> mm. <laughs> to, it's a middleman, and it's a beautiful scene. It's really, it's it really is, it really is sweet, and and because she, she she base uh, watch it, everyone. I'm not gonna. I yes. I, I, I can't. Yeah. I can't. I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not Natalie Morales. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna no, say it better and, than and, she would. And you're not gonna react like. Matt Kiesler. Kiesler, no, yeah, because no. as he's just standing there, just listening and reacting, mm-hmm. with tears welling in his eyes and then yeah. falling down his cheeks, you know, because he can cry beautifully. Yeah, jerk. he does a um, <laughs> he does a really nice cry. Yeah, yeah, I mean, because he's not made of stone. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just really, really well done, and that's of course what tips. Wendy off to use the nanobots in a creative way yes. to help her get out of, yeah. of this situation. But yeah, I mean, it's really, really well done. I loved the yeah. code 47s. And, and I, I, I do, I do wonder if, um, if he's ever, maybe this would have been something we learned if they're ages on, if they did the origin of this middleman or something like that, if he has ever received like a code 47, code 47. you know, oh. if like, like he makes them, all the time but has he ever has he ever had he ever received one before that's a that's a great question i would love to know that yeah i i because i want because whoever he worked with before this i would love to know if they if they died saving the world or they just quit yeah, they retired. They reti- retired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you do have that. <laughs> there was that moment we did in the vampire episode. Vampires have killed more middlemen than anything else. <laughs> oh my God, how many? Two. Two. <laughs> so you're like these middlemen are pretty awesome. These yeah. middlemen are pretty awesome. So, uh, but yeah, I I I, I wonder if if too that like if that's why he received it so alive. Code forty seven put him in tears. Because he, I mean, maybe he had code like he had done for Dubby. He he he'd had code forty sevens recorded for him out the wazoo, mm-hmm. but never got to see one. Yeah. For whatever reason, so there's a there's a sweetness. There's a there's a uh, there's a real feeling of love um, um, between them there which is which is which is really great <laughs> which yeah. is really great which is one of the things that say you don't get in a show quite like say like tales of the gold monkey you don't quite get something like that in in that but that's just because of the time periods the shows were made in so it's fun to contrast them not that not that we've talked about tales of the gold monkey but i'm talking about yeah. that with the person on the show here uh, my friend cr hawes yeah, uh, uh, we're doing that. So, um, yeah, I've listened. It's really good. Oh, go! Cool. I'm glad you're enjoying. It. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad someone is. So, so what else? What else do you have on this? I'm looking at my 
my notes here. Um, um, yeah, we should mention the the Tyler thing just a little bit more. Oh, yes, yes. Just oh. because what it is is that he ends up saving manservant Neville, and from in a road rage altercation, and manservant Neville is this billionaire who. I'm guessing he's supposed to be like Steve Jobs or something. I think so, yeah. He... And he offers Tyler a job, but Tyler, Tyler's pretty committed to being a musician, and he's not interested in it. But um, Lacey really likes this guy and his company because they're so like ecologically friendly and everything mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that she pushes him to go to this. Um, fat Boy Industries. Yeah, Fat Boy Industries. She pushes him to go to the interview and it's there's a great montage of him doing the tests. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's like just black and white pictures of him like apparently <laughs> trying to to psychically determine the card is a picture of a lava lamp. Yes. And he's doing a polygraph test and all this other stuff. And his last thing is to be interviewed by the board and he ends up like laying waste to them yes. going, your watch is ticking too loud. So it's obviously a knockoff. You know, your cufflinks are plastic. Your toupee is way too obvious. Yes. You, your tie is a clip on your reading glasses. Don't even have magnifying lenses in them and just like obliterates them. Yes. And, and it's either, it's either you're all a big joke or you're mad geniuses. <laughs> yes. And so he ends up getting a job as his as manservant Neville's um, right hand man, and it does. It feels like because usually the B stories find a way to dovetail into the main uh, story, mm-hmm. and this one didn't. So Doesn't, it kind of yeah. feels like that. Yeah, this is meant to set up something that we will see later. Yeah, like maybe Man- manservant Neville is is some sort of strange alien or. or... So, or, he, or he's maybe more diabolical genius yes. than we think. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's um, it I I did think the one part about the episode is that when she sees him at the end and he's all kitted out like a super cool two thousand eight like um, <laughs> a businessman, and she's like, "Are you happy? I am." And she's like, "Okay, well then I'm I'm happy too." And I thought. I, that doesn't look right to me. That doesn't look like the same guy who at, who at the start of the episode did a concert at like a coffee bar or something for only her because yeah. no one else showed up. You know, and we know that he wrote like a number one hit for the band that he was in and he gave them the song and left the band and they're huge and are touring the world and he's struggling. And now suddenly he's... And I, I'm, I'm, almost, I'm almost wondering if it's meant to be something like... Was he hypnotized? Or so, did did something happen? Where like, man, man, servant Neville like 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 zoop, 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 got into his brain or something like that? I, I, yeah, I I don't because it seems a bit because I thought when it ended it would just be like him by himself like yeah I'm working for him now and like you know he loves my music and you know it's like he does so many things and he's got so much money that you know spending you know, $5 million on my career and send me around the world, it, it would literally be like him losing five cents. Yeah. You know, so, so I, but, but then when you see him like that, you're like, hmm, interesting. Yeah. It, it definitely feels bigger than what yes. the le- episode allows it to be. So it feels like, yeah, this is going to be something that comes up hopefully in the next episode because there's nothing. After God, that. I hope it does. I really <laughs> hope it does. <laughs> So um now now I'm just gonna I'm just gonna real quick and then I'm just gonna say that um 
uh, there is a there is a one of my favorite bands and judge if you will is Genesis and there is an invisible touch reference when they're talking about the U master. Yes. I forget I forget exactly the lines they use but when Lacey and uh um and Nose are going I was going to say Mauser. <laughs> I was thinking police academy. <laughs> when Lacey and Nose are going back and forth he, he says something like it seems to have an invisible touch or something you know he, they 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 reference the song. Um and then uh, they mentioned the Pangalactic Gargle Blaster, which is from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Of course, Douglas Adams, at the very start of his career, more or less professionally, was uh, uh, wrote for Doctor Who and was scripted in our Doctor Who for a year. And when NASA shows up, um, I forget exactly what their um, titles are, but the middleman is Benton and um, Wendy is Harriet. And that would be Sergeant Benton and Zoe Harriet. Sergeant Benton was in unit on Doctor Who, first appeared in Invasion in 1968, last appeared in the Android Invasion in 1970. Crud. Six? <laughs> um, Zoe Harriet was the second Doctor's companion in season six. Uh, 1968 to 1969 and those seasons were long so that's 44 episodes uh, and Zoe Harriet was one of the few companions who was kind of like smarter than the Doctor she was like a prodigy and and, and and she is in the story The Invasion which is the first unit story and the name of the NASA guy is Lethbridge Stewart which of course is the name of the Brigadier from Doctor Who the Brigadier first appeared in the Web of Fire as a colonel and he last appeared in an episode of the Sarah Jane Adventures, um, 85, 95, 05, 45 years later. Uh, and I met him. He was a very nice guy. I met him at a convention once. I was standing outside. It was raining. It was in Van Nuys. And he stepped out to have a cigarette. And I said, how you doing? And he said, good. And I said, thank you for coming. And he said, oh, it's great. And I said, sorry the weather's so bad. And he said, that's fine. And we stood there for a minute. We just talked briefly and then he finished his cigarette and went back inside uh, and then there are a couple more things um, uh, uh, Tyler went to McCrimmon University Jamie McCrimmon was the second doctor's main companion he was a Scotsman um, from uh, the 18th century he always wore a kilt he wasn't very smart but he was a lot of fun and he did travel with Zoe and the Doctor in the last season. And the Peripagillium, um, when the Clothar guy shows up, um, the middleman mentions the Peripagillium Treaty or something like that. And Peripagillium is the name of Perry, who was the companion who traveled with the Fifth Doctor and the Sixth Doctor in 1984, 85, 86. So those are Doctor Who... Oh, the Zygon thing, when he hooks up the Clotharian thing. He mentions it's a Zygon something or other. The Zygons are the gigantic, um, shape-shifting, sucker-covered... They look like they're people-turned-inside-out kind of things that appeared in Terror of the Zygons back in 75, uh, Day of the Doctor, the 50th anniversary special, and then the two-part Zygon Invasion, Zygon Inversion in Series 9. So lots of Doctor Who references, and I'm done. What else do you have about this uh, CR? <laughs> that was a lot of Doctor Who information. That, I threw it all out there. I threw it all out there. Um, I just want to say that there were a lot of great Ida lines in this yes, and yes. I'm not going to go through all of them that I wrote down because I wrote, through down, wrote down a lot I'm just going to say I think my favorite one was um, when they're getting ready to 
going to the decam- decontamination and she's shoving them in, shoving Wendy into the room and she's like that's what you get for being made of meat yes <laughs> and the great the great thing about it is it's all a trick at the, yes. end, the end all a trick all a trick um, so, uh, any trivia on this one? I do have one little bit of trivia since we were talking about men's servants, Neville. He's played mm-hmm. by Mark Shepard, and he has been in just like a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, most notably, he has been in another car- uh, comic book TV show. He is on Doom Patrol. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. I loved, I do love... I've not seen the TV show Doom Patrol, but I used to read the comic Doom Patrol, and I, I always enjoyed they're, they're fun. They're fun. They're a fun bunch. <laughs> and I, I did forget that that actor, he was on Doctor Who also. Series 6, uh, The Impossible Astronaut, Day of the Moon. The second Matt Smith, uh, Amy Amy and Rory Pond season. That's the season that begins with the end of the season where the Doctor is killed and they burn his body. Mm-hmm. And that's 15 minutes into the season, and the rest of the season is building towards why that happened and how it can be reversed. And he plays a CIA agent working in the Richard Nixon administration who helps the doctor. Yeah, I know him because he was on the reboot of uh, Battlestar Galactica. Was? Oh, wow. Okay. I've only seen a few episodes of that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I watched a bunch of the, like, latter half of that series. Okay. How was it? Did you enjoy it? Um, it was okay. There were not enough shiny silence. That was my main complaint. <laughs> that and I couldn't. The way they were filming stuff at the time with a lot of like that jerky jer- jerky camera yes. movements, yes. it gives me vertigo and nauseates me. So that was very angry. <laughs> and so, aside from that, it was fine. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking one day I'd try it because obviously Chris and I covered Battlestar Galactica and I've only seen a few episodes of it. But I, but I remember that jerky camera work when I saw it and yes. thought, what the hell are they doing? Oh, I don't know. What? But my this roommate is... was very, very much into the show. She loved the show. Okay. And so I was kind of just along for the ride. And right. it wasn't awful. It was okay. I... But like I said, not enough shiny Cylons. Yeah. I, I heard what I heard about that yeah is that it starts off great for the first like two seasons and like all the critics declared it best sci-fi show ever and somewhere in the last two seasons they all kind of were like oh maybe not <laughs> they kind of believe their own hype a little bit yes yeah yeah so um anything else on this one no I'm good to go all right, so where can we find you online? You can find me at akakikiwrites.com. It is the home of my podcast, Bookum Dano, an old Hawaii Five-O podcast. You can find me at my blog, kikiwritesabout.com. And if you want more of my opinions on Battlestar Galactica or anything else, <laughs> you can get that by following me on Twitter at kikiwrites. Thanksgiving. Hey, it is the end of this fine episode of Avengers Super Train. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I hope you enjoyed it. And next time, we finish up The Middleman, and we do the penultimate episode of Fresno. And, well, we still got uh, four episodes of Gold Monkey left, so we're still, we still, we're still, got, we're still p- plenty fresh in that aisle. You don't have to smell me. I still smell fresh, okay? Uh, you know where to find me online. I'm just going to let you go. you got Thanksgiving to celebrate. If you listen to this after Thanksgiving, you probably got something else to do. So I will just let you go, and oh, I will leave you with my address. The address is Dan Budnick, 
B-U-D-N-I-C-K. 110, your big fat mama lane. Boston, Massachusetts, 24693, USA. If you happen to be in the West Coast, he has a second home in Fat Crack, Wyoming. You can find the address of that. Care of this station. Happy that you're my second and big oh, hot dog.